You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. series all summer long. Our vision here at Elevation Community Church, very similar. Every church has their own kind of wording, but it all should be around the kingdom great commission, the kingdom call. And uh, ours is to see real people, just as you are, coming to God, but knowing that his grace and his love, his mercy and holiness requires that you don't stay there, that you grow as your eyes are on Jesus. So real people finding real hope in Jesus, connecting to real relationships like you just did in just a moment ago, growing more like Christ through real discipleship. And our prayer and our vision is that year after year, week after week, we will just see real life change in the lives of you, others surrounding you and in our community. And we do this through, through our mission, which is to fully connect people. Now, you can fully connect people to other things and it not be effective for the kingdom of God. And so the things we connect them to are really important. Number one is we want to connect them to Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the eternal hope. And without him, we have no hope. We want to fully connect people to community of believers so that they'll grow and be supported and not grow weary and grow distant from the Lord. We also want to fully connect you all and everyone to God's purposes to make disciples, to love others, and to serve others as being the light of the world. And here at Elevation, we do it through two main vehicles, not the only ones, but the two main vehicles is creative worship. Sunday mornings, we have worship. The way we do things have a creative approach to it. When we do outreaches and 4th of July coming up, it's a creative experience where we want to literally create events, say events, and environments, say environments, that is conducive to people encountering the living God. And when they encounter the living God, there's real life change. But we can't just stay just there. The second vehicle is real discipleship, growing more like Christ in and through relationship. If we just get the experience and the encounter of God, we will grow, but the depth of growth comes from discipleship. So this summer... We're focusing on what it means to worship individually and corporately as a church body. And we started with the reason why. So the month of June is why we worship. In July, we're going to start looking at what is worship. And then in August, we're going to see how we worship. But in why we worship, we understood that he is the only one worthy of all our worship. His worth, we call it worth-ship. Worth-ship. Can you say that real quick? Worth-ship. 
giving the highest worth wholeheartedly to the only one who deserves it. We also looked last week at his nature. God is holy. We sang that today. He is righteous. He is eternal. He's sovereign. He's never changing. And he is love. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in all of our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3, 11. This simply means that God has put in us, all of us, a sense of awareness that there is more to this life. There's more than just living for self. There is more than just this temporal world fading in every moment. There's more than just our earthly bodies that are literally rotting each moment of every day. And there's so much more than just this physical life. There is a drive in every human being to bow down to something or someone, to pay homage to something or to worship something or someone. And so today, the title of our message is We Are Created to Worship. When God creates you inside your mother's womb, you have one DNA, and that is the design to worship. We see this from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21. Or is it 22? 22. I stand corrected. Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Amen. We do this together, right? We are created to worship. We say, well, Phil, not everyone's a Christian. You're right, but that doesn't matter. Every human physical person on the planet who was on the planet, who is now on the planet, and who will ever be created from this day until Jesus returns, is created with a spiritual DNA and a desire to worship. Period. And today we're going to understand that who you worship makes all the difference. But we all, don't be mistaken, every single one of you, 140 out here, you worship something. You worship someone. Whether you know it or not, whether you think it or not, whether you feel it or not, or whether you believe it or not, you are a worshiper because that is in your DNA. Who you worship makes all the difference for this life and especially significantly for when we leave this earthly body. I want to give you a little illustration for you to understand, and if anyone's blinded by this, I do apologize. This mirror, this mirror was never created to produce an image, or else it would be called a TV, or a computer screen, or a phone. This was never, ever created 
to produce images. The science behind it and the law of reflection says that we are designed to reflect light. We all are designed to reflect something. And it's either light or darkness. Are you following? Mirrors never produce, they only reflect. And the angle at which the light strikes the mirror is exactly equal to the angle at which the light is reflected back. Now remember this because we're going to cover this important, the, in, in, the importance of the law of reflection because it's the same spiritually. The image reflected is a mirror image. Say mirror image of the original image. Yeah. So at the angle the light pierces this image is in the same angle exactly equal to what is being reflected, directed to the mirror and reflected back. Now, if all of you had flashlights... You can even see right now the light, how this moves, and the alignment in which the mirror, not the producer, the reflector, the angle in which the light hits the mirror, and where the mirror shifts depends on where it's reflected. Are you all blind now? You're welcome. Genesis. Chapter 1, verse 27. I'm going to go very slow. Look at this. So God created, say created. You are not the creator. You never was and you never will be. You never were and you never will be. God created man in his own image, in his own image, not in Adam's image, in God's image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, God created them. Let me give you My paraphrase, you are created as mirrors to reflect God's image. You were made in his image. You are not God, but you are made in his image to reflect his image, to look like, to think like, to act like, to speak like God. And when he created all things, And then man and woman, and on the seventh day he rested. It was all perfect. There was no flaws, no sin, no death, no thorns, no thistles. Everything had life eternally. Perfect oneness with God. Everything, especially man and woman, reflected the image of God. All creation praised God. They weren't created in the image of God, but man and woman That means you. 
are created to reflect God. You are, you are created to reflect God's nature in your entire being. What is his nature? Well, let's visit back last week. He's holy. Say holy. He's righteous. Say righteous. Say eternal. Say sovereign. Say never changing. And love. That is who we were designed and what we were designed to reflect. That was the purpose from the very beginning, and it is the purpose today and forevermore. Let's look how we were created in God's nature. Let's look at Genesis 1, verse 28 through 31. Am I blinding anyone? Okay. And God blessed mankind and told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. What did God do with creation? He was fruitful. It multiplied. You following? He subdued it with his sovereign righteous hand. And he ruled and rules over all creation. He even says, have dominion. Who has ultimate dominion? God. And he's releasing this to Adam and Eve. Why? Why? Why do you think? It's because they were made in his image. And what is made in his image, in its image, must reflect the nature of whom it was created in. Agreed? Verse 29. Actually, go back. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given, say given. I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food they had everything they needed why they were in the image of god and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. Do you see it? Do you see our design? We are to reflect the presence, the image, and the nature of God in everything in our life. And where does the direction of the reflection go? It's never a boomerang. The reflection always goes to the angle in which it was given. Back to the creator. The light, the glory, 
the nature is reflected to us from God, hits us, and it's to go directly back to God. Right? That is our original design. We are designed to reflect God's nature and just as the purpose of a mirror. We are to be in perfect alignment with God so that his light can pierce us. His nature can pierce us. His presence can pierce us and we reflect it right on back. That's the law of reflection. When light waves hit a smooth, flat surface, such as a mirror, they bounce back at the same angle at which it hits the surface. That's our original design. So worship is being made in the image of God, and when his light and his gifts and his nature and his presence hits our life, it is to go directly back to God. That's how it was designed to always be. But in this perfect design of reflection, which is worship, we have to understand one major principle. We were never, you were never designed to reflect anything else for anyone else's glory but the creator's. Let me say that again because this is important. You were never designed to worship anything else or anyone else. You were never designed. You were never designed to reflect anything else or do it for anyone else but your creator. We weren't created to be self-sufficient. Come on, you got to hear this. You were not created to be the creator, to produce. You were created to reflect. Say reflect. You weren't created to be self-sufficient, self-dependent, independent creatures. We were created to depend on God for everything. 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 For our very existence in every breath. So for point number one, that we were designed to worship our creator in relationship with God. Each and every single person. I don't care what you identify yourself as. You were first identified as a worshiper of God. You were created to worship. You were created to worship and respond to God's a uh, um, to respond to God's greatness. And as His greatness fills your life, you are to reflect it right back to God, which is worship. But we have a problem. Number two, the problem. Without the problem, we would have Genesis one, two. And Revelation. By the way, did you know Revelation has 22 chapters? Just wanted to let you know. <laughs> Satan 
By the way, Satan was created. And he was created as the angel over what? Let those light bulbs go off right now. Satan created to lead all of heaven in worship. What is worship? Responding to the greatness, holiness, righteousness, sovereignty of God. And he was the first one to not want to give the glory back to God, but to reflect his own image. And because God is holy, there can be no one but him on the throne. And so Satan and a third of the angels were struck down to the earth. And you can't tell me that Satan didn't understand the power of worship because it was their DNA. It was their design of humankind to worship their creator and be one with him forevermore. You don't think that Satan didn't know and have this strategic plan thinking that if I can get them to worship something or someone else, I will destroy God's plan. And so what Satan has done from the very beginning as he has been struck down from heaven, he does this. He looks at God's perfect plan and he comes up with another plan to pervert God's perfection. Satan takes our design to worship our creator and he looks for every single way to pervert that. So what does he do to Adam and Eve? He causes them to question the sovereignty of God. Did God really say? What he's saying, what Satan was saying is God is holding out on you. Well, what did that mean to Adam and Eve? He's holding out his knowledge on you, Eve. There is more to know. For you can be like him. That's a lie. Because what's the truth? She already was. <laughs> Friends, the enemy's lies are to twist the truth. That's why it's so important for you to know the truth about who God is and who you are in God. He will come to you and question you. That's why it's so important to be in a small group. So it's so important to be in the Bible and the, your devotional time as often as possible because the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And he had the upper hand with Eve and Adam. It's because he caused them to question God's knowledge, God's power, God's goodness, and God's image. And if he can pervert our design to have oneness with God and reflect God's image in worship, then he can pervert everything else. And that's what he did. And that's why God had to hand over the curse of sin to Satan. 
and this world. But that's not the end, and we know that. So everyone has a design to worship in your DNA to the very fabric of who you are. Even atheists worship. Skeptics worship. Satanists worship. Republicans and Democrats worship. Everyone, everywhere, worships someone or something. It is the fundamental drive of life. So it's not a matter of choosing to worship or not. You will worship. It's a matter of who or what you worship. Now, let's take a trip into the New Testament to Romans. Right after Acts. And let's look on how Satan has perverted our original design. Look, for the wrath of God is revealed. Last week, we learned that the wrath of God is not God's nature, but it is a response to sin because of his nature. Don't be mistaken. Don't be lied to. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, perversion. What's the opposite of godliness? Ungodliness. What's the opposite of righteousness? Unrighteousness. Who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This is where Satan won the battle. For his invisible God, excuse me, verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to all of us because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. It's kind of like a parent. When randomly you tell the kid not to do this, and he does it, and you say, I told you... (laughs) You have no excuse for I told you and you were aware of my standards and expectations. And this is what God is saying to his creation. Ever since the creation of the world and the things that I have been made that have been made, so you are without excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, say knew. That is not knowledge, head knowledge, that is relationship, oneness with God reflecting God because they were made in his image. For all they, they, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Wait, wait. Honor God. That sounds a lot like worship. Responding, reflecting back, honor and praise. I, am I the only one? Kind of sounds like worship to me. Let's even look at the next word, honor him as God, or give thanks to him. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving, and enter his courts with 
because he is God. But they did not honor him. What? They were created to worship him, and yet they did not. That means sin. James says to do what you know you shouldn't do, and to do it anyways is sin. But they became futile in their thinking, broken, severed. And they exchanged, excuse me, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 22, claiming to be wise, there's the lie from the pit of hell. Claiming to be wise. There's no one wise but God. Now we're created in his image, but we are not God. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged, say exchanged, the glory of the immortal God for images. This was never created to produce an image. It was only created to reflect. And what did we do? We exchanged this for images that we thought would produce false images that never produce, resembling mortal man. Do you see the shift here? Instead of worshiping and reflecting God, we now worshiped created images, false images, ourself resembling mortal man, birds and animals and creeping things. Guys, who was supposed to have dominion over those? We were. And now we place them on the throne and begin to worship them. Not the creator. Verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to the impurity. To the dishonoring of their bodies. We were, ne- we were created to honor God. Now we dishonor our bodies. Among themselves. Because we exchange. Say exchange. The truth about God for a lie. And we worship. Say worshiped. And served the creature rather than the creator who is to be worshiped and blessed forever. So if you're a note taker, write this down. When our lives are out of alignment with worship, it affects every area of our lives. Everything else will be out of alignment because you would have changed, exchanged the truth about God for a lie. When we worship something or someone, we were never ever created to worship. Our lives 
begin to be aligned and anchored by that one thing we worship. Which then determines what we reflect. And what we reflect is what we become. Can I say this again so we can understand why we live in the day we live? With all the darkness and all the crud going on in our lives, around us. Let me say it again. When we worship something or someone else who we were never created to worship, our lives now become aligned and anchored in that which we worship, which determines what we reflect, which then results in who we become. So take a moment. Who or what are you giving the highest worth to? Because that will determine what you begin to reflect and what you consistently continue to reflect. You will become. It's not a matter of if you will worship, it's who you worship. And who you worship affects everything. Look at verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not worship him as God. There is our fallen nature and curse of sin. This is the core of humanity's fallen state. And it may not seem like a serious sin to us, but it is to God. Because when there is breakdown in our alignment of worship, other problems will follow. Just look at the problems you're facing. Do they reflect back to maybe what you are reflecting? Now, we know we live in a broken world and there are Satan attacks, there are demonic attacks, and there's also a thing called fallen life. But I think a lot of times we live in the results of what we reflect. Greg Laurie, if you saw the movie Jesus Revolution, it's about that guy. Greg Laurie is one of the main characters. He says this. It's a long quote, so follow with me. But here is the problem that we now deal with. If God is removed, someone or something always will take his place. Romans 1. When we fail to glorify God, when we fail to give thanks to God, we will turn to other things. And it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time until our lives will degenerate into immorality. We can trace the problems in our personal lives our society, and our country today to a failure of worship. 
a failure of worshiping the true God. Any person who is remotely objective would have to acknowledge that our country that we live in was based on biblical principles. Agreed? Even though not all of our founding fathers were Christians. Not all of them were followers of Jesus. But now, but now, our historians love to engage in revisionism. Sounds like trying to create images. Hello? (laughs) And do away with things that were established by our creator. Instead of freedom of religion, they have established, and I know that, let me me just tell you this, I I know that by saying this, we could lose our tax-exempt status. I, I get that. And I realize that we're going to get possibly pushback. Bring it. I'm not asking for a fight. I'm saying that this stands alone. And God is to be created by his creation. And we have a sin problem. It's called a worship problem. We are worshiping the wrong things. And I will tell our government to their face, they are not to be worshipped. They never were created to be worshipped. They were created to worship and reflect God's likeness. And let's not judge them and let's not condemn them because it is the fall of the curse. The curse of sin that blinds our eyes. We need to pray for them. We need to pray. We need to pray for our government leaders. If anything can change this around, God can. The hope of our nation, America. Sorry, Greg Laurie, I'm I'm interrupting him. (laughs) The hope for America is our church. (sighs) Okay. They want to rewrite our history and do away with these things. Instead of freedom of religion, they have established freedom, freedom from religion. You don't think that's the work of the enemy? And it has found its way into every level of our government as we have misinterpreted the intentions of the founders. We have pushed God out of our classrooms and out of our courtrooms. We no longer want to operate on what the Bible teaches and on what is right or wrong. And then when we see it affecting every area of our lives, this is what happens when we fail to worship God. It's easy. It's easy, friends. It's easy to point the blame and shake the finger and say, how dare you? It's easy to cast judgment on people in authority, political power and influence and say shame on you for getting it wrong but friends we need to look at the log in our own eye right now what are you worshiping who are you giving the highest worth to right now in your life what are you reflecting 
We're all susceptible to it. Not one, except Jesus Christ, is exempt from it. We've all fallen short of God's glory. And so the third point is, what about you? What about me? I can't even get the Revelation chapters right. I'm flawed. If I don't watch my alignment, I can worship other things too. Just because I'm about two feet higher than you doesn't mean that I am not dealing with the same struggle that Adam and Eve and all of us struggle with, our worship problem. What about us as a church? A guy I know from Pennsylvania, he's become a writer and spokesman and author for a lot of worship platforms. His name is Dan, David Santa Stephen. And he says this, I'm just too satisfied with this world. My eyes are filled with everything but Christ. My heart longs for influence, power, money, and earthly security more than the treasures of heaven. That is my problem. That is our problem. Our hearts don't know their need for Christ. We are not desperate. We are not broken. We don't approach Sunday with expected faith-filled, repentant hearts. We are not hungry for Jesus. We have a worship problem. And so as the band comes up, I just want to read verses, scripture, God's perfect word, word to you. And then we're going to respond to God accordingly. But I want to say this. I think we all can agree that technology is flawed. It's a wonderful blessing, but it's a wonderful, wonderful curse. But just as a computer or device, sometimes it gets so overloaded. If we're not careful, even though we have protection over the machine, viruses can hack our computers. Then it starts to act slower, not respond and sometimes even do the opposite thing of what we're asking it to do. And so a lot of times we will go to a repair shop or try to repair it and troubleshoot. And when that doesn't work, an expert will tell you, you have to reset it to its factory default. Clear everything from the computer except the original modem and the original software that was created and developed on that computer. And I'm wondering if we don't need a factory reset today. Clear out all the idols and the things that we have been giving attention to and worship to 
and start to clear that out as we see God instructing the Israelites of tearing down all false gods. And to get on our faces and say, God, we have gotten it wrong. We've messed this up. We're not operating in our original design anymore. The things we want to do, we don't do. And the things we hate, we end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Today, we have hope. We can have a reset through Jesus Christ. We can be cleansed of our sins and our false worship today and start anew. Romans 5. Verses 8 through 9 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, false worshipers, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from him and from the wrath of God. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love for us, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin, worshiping other things, he made us alive together in Christ Jesus. By grace, you've been saved and raised up with him and seated up with him in heavenly places. We need to reset to our original design. Second Corinthians 5.21, for his, our sake, He made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, that we would be reset back to our original design. And 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, if we bring our messed up, blown up computer device of our lives God will wipe it all away, restore us to his original design, cleanse us, set us apart, and empower us to be different. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.